welcome to the Screencast, episode 136. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. I'm here. You're here. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Brad sounds a little different and not as sexy because his uh, blue ball mic took a shit. Not necessarily. It's still good. We'll get, we'll get the IT department looking at it. Uh, we'll get it fixed up by next show. Cool. Thank you for watching out for me. Yeah. Maybe the we, we uh, get our interns to do some shit too. Those lazy fuckers. Yeah, intern, get up in it. <laughs> Today we are talking about Arrow's release of Brain Damage. Oh. We're also going to be discussing 1994's Brain Scan and 1980's oh. The Brain. Oh. <laughs> Do you see a pattern? No. We're talking about brains. Oh, okay. <laughs> but first, uh, before we jump into all that, we got some patrons to thank. No, patrons up in the house. First up, we got a patron that stepped it up. Andy Hutchinson stepped it up from a $1 a month pledge or whatever the hell you call it to... Uh, five bucks. So he gets. Dude to, is on he's fire. Now, he's now in the late night club. Mm. So Andy, thank you so much, man, for doing that. Also, our own B. Germain. B. Germain up in the bitch. He does a, a little series on our site over at thescreamcast.com. And, uh, he, uh, he pledged five bucks. So he's going to be here in the late night show. And going to be involved with that as well. So, Bede, thank you, man. Thank you, Bede. Much love to all you guys who uh, who have become patrons. If you want to get access to our late night podcast, Screamcast Late Night, become a patron. Uh, the $5 mark gets you in to hear that. My and you can be vagina. Wait, what? <laughs> you can be involved with that in uh, oral sex. Oh, sorry. I don't know where Brad's going with all this, but um here's the deal though, Brad. We are yeah. we are recording live. Eight, what? Yeah, we are no. We're $18 away from our $100 a month mark. And okay. once we reach that mark, we're going to be unlocking buying a Porsche. Yeah. Screamcast money. <laughs> we are going to be unlocking the Screamcast Late Night to our $3 a month listeners so they can hear it. Now, the $5 a month uh, patrons, they're going to be involved with that show and driving the content and the conversation. But at least but it'll unlock it to the, the next level so, ever, so more people can hear it. Oh, shit. So, so, so what if... We get that hundy, right? And we like hundy, hundy, and then somebody's like, "Fuck this shit," and then it goes to ninety five. Do we take it away from the three dollar patrons? I don't know, man. That's a conversation we need to. We'll have to cross that bridge. Oh when we get my there. god! And then we piss them <laughs> off because we take it away, and then they take money, Fuck. and then we're back eighteen dollars away. Yeah, they were fucked. Oh. oh. No, uh, so, no equipment upgrades. We can't fix your mic. That took a shit. So, you know? so what if what if the three dollar patrons were like, "All right, let's see if they're truthful." Up it to five dollars, 
Then we hit the hundy, and then they're like, well, we're going to get it anyway. So they drop down back to three. I don't know, man. All this is new to me. I don't think our listeners are assholes. So I think we're going to be fine. Okay. I'm a little worried about this. But okay. I will I will trust you and the patrons. Well, the cool thing about Patreon is, you know, as we hit levels, we can change things around, we can move things around, we can try new things. So Are you taking a drink of something? What was a that? Drink as water. So uh, who does that? Yeah. I uh, my mouth is getting dry. Are you parched? <laughs> Little parched. I, am, I parched. We had a we had a beer tasting and wine tasting uh, little couples thing at my brother-in-law's house. It was a lot of fun, but I had a lot of beer. The wine, oh. so I tasted the wine, whatever, and then the beer broke out. Some really good beers. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. So I'm, I'm okay. Okay, I'll be okay. Okay. So uh, if you would like to become a patron, Screamcat or yeah, cannot. If you want to become a patron, it's Patreon.com/slash. Scream underscore cast. So thanks to all of you. We have 20 patrons, so 20 of you are awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, everybody listening to this show is awesome, but the patrons are awesomer. <laughs> there you we go. think, you know, if you support this podcast, we think you're awesome. I mean, yes. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think if you tolerate I can't believe the podcast, people are awesome. I can't be still believes people still listen. My wife said I need to stop saying that. I need to, I just need to own up to the podcast and uh but you know. I just try to be humble. Yeah. Insecure and humble. Yeah. Didn't Kendrick Lamar have a song about being humble? Maybe should play that song right now. Who? Kendrick Lamar. I don't listen to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Pagers thanked. Show introduced. Let's have a checklist. Jump into what's on your doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. on a roll today with this Damn. Stuff. people who are like yeah. just checking out the show are going to be like yeah I'm not sure if we're going to stick around man you have to be confident you just have to own up and own it <laughs> alright okay should I go I'll go sure What's on our doorstep if you're new to the show is movies we have Five hundred million dollar blockbuster did you watch recently? On our doorstep, we have bought or watched. It's basically what we what we've been watching. All right. Okay. The first multi million dollar insane big budget flick I watched was. You have to look it up. Are you looking it up right now? <clears throat> Jordan Peele's. 2017 film Get Out. Oh. Now I didn't know what I was getting into with with uh, with this one because Jordan Peele is a comedic uh, actor, part of Keen Peele, and I like their stuff a lot. I think he's really funny. I think I like Keen Peele a lot. It's one of my favorite shows 
and um, they ventured into the movie making territory. They did a movie called Keanu about uh, you know they have to rescue a cat from a gangster, and that movie was hit or miss. It was like kind of funny, but you know it was um, I don't know. It wasn't as good, I think, as the premise you would hope a premise like that would be. So, but Jordan Peele has been, he's a horror fan and they do like these horror spoofs and stuff like that on Kane Peele. And you kind of notice like he has a flair for, for certain, for certain things. And <clears throat> so, you know, so I didn't know how this movie would turn out, you know, and uh, it's damn good. Like it's a really solid, tense thriller uh about a um uh, a black guy and his white girlfriend have to go meet her very white parents man you're i love your (laughs) descriptions of plots (laughs) and uh anyway it's it's I was didn't know how it was gonna how how it was gonna play with like the inter you know interracial uh, relationship and with with the parents and um it is a, it's it's a very smart film that it doesn't go I guess for like the low hanging fruit with these types of stereo stereotypes and it's a really really good thriller real solid thriller did I say foo I can't talk it's a really solid thriller and um. There's a lot of surprises in the film. I don't want, I'm being very vague, so I really don't want to give anything away. And you're definitely say, not. If you haven't seen this, if you've been holding out, uh, you should definitely give it a watch because it, the movie did really well. So there's kind of, whenever a movie like this does really well and has really good reviews, there's always going to be some sort of backlash, you know, afterwards with people who haven't seen it yet. But I say give this thing a watch. It's it's damn good. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. My review for it was five stars, and I wrote, damn. You need to spruce this review up a little bit. I'm I'm wake I'm waking up here. Are you okay? I'm all right. I'm getting there. A little okay. dehydrated. Uh, next up, I watched Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant. Oh. And here's what I'm going to say about Ridley Scott. He doesn't give a shit about any alien movie past aliens. He, he, he seriously does not. He can care less. So he's going back and kind of putting his own stamp on the film and the creature that he helped create with Alien. And he is in his 70s now. And he's always been very interested in uh, kind of philosophy and religion and these big questions. So he's like injecting this stuff into this world of Alien for, you know, like it or love it. He did it with Prometheus. However, Prometheus had some characters who were dumb as rocks. But I, you know, but his, I don't know. Prometheus is a flawed film, but I really like it. Uh, Alien Covenant is basically Ridley Scott trying to listen to the fans who all bitched about Prometheus, and he's hired some new writers to 
to come on and, you know, create his, can you continue on this vision of this, this world? And he's very focused on this, uh, this character, David, played by Michael Fassbender. And this is David's movie. Like that character kind of steps in the front center and is probably the most interesting thing about this new series. And he steps up the horror element, the body horror element, and all the alien element that everyone complained was missing from Prometheus. And yet still people still shit on this film. So he's giving everyone, he's giving everyone what they want. They complained about and everyone still is still complaining. I think as a kind of, you know, uh, space horror movie, I think there's a lot to, to chew on here. Um, he's definitely still trying to ask these big questions and I don't know if he's really doing a, a good job with that, but but I think there's a lot to like about Alien Covenant. And, uh, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're a fan of space horror, like definitely give it a shot. I don't understand all the really awful, horrible, negative reviews of this because there's some really cool alien horror stuff in it. Some really, I don't know. So that's it. That's it? That's all I got to say. Wait a second. Wait, two movies or? Huh? No, I'm sorry. That's it about Alien Covenant. Oh, okay. Anyway, I don't. You know, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to spend too much time on these ones. But Michael Fassbender is basically becoming the star of this prequel series. He's he's doing. He's putting in some really good work. And the other actors, like you know, nobody's really standing out. I mean, Danny McBride. I liked seeing him in like a serious role. But he still gets to kind of bullshit and and have fun, and um, I don't know. Like I think Prometheus and Alien Covenant, both those these films so far, like will benefit from a Ridley Scott uh, director's cut, because I feel like there's some things missing from both films that can really round out the kind of the holes in the films and make it them make them flow a little better. And Alien Covenant was kind of the same way, a little less jarring than Prometheus. Prometheus had some like ridiculous things that could have been fixed, I think, with either omission or a director's cut, some sort of director's cut. All right, next up is um, <clears throat> James Mangold's Logan. Ugh. <clears throat> Shut up. All these fucking big movies! Get to something I... gritty! I mean... <laughs> I will. I got. I got some smaller stuff. Get Out was a smaller film. Yeah. Um, Logan is a pretty damn good farewell to the character, played by Hugh Jackman. It, of course, the R-rated elements I think make for a more uh, visceral film. It's fun seeing Wolverine in his element, slicing and dicing. Uh, I like their them playing with this X Men timeline and not really caring what's. Be, uh, what's come previous. I mean, they said it so far in the future uh, that I guess you can kind of fit everything in, but there's, you know, if you're going to, if you're like with any X-Men film, if you're trying to put all these into a timeline, don't even bother. Who, who knows? But this is uh, oh yeah, old man, Logan. He's, he's uh, in and out of Mexico and the, and the border States. And he's like, he's a limo driver. He's beaten down and you know, life's, kind of caught up with him and 
Professor X is hiding. They have him hiding away, and he basically through some some uh, interactions, he comes in contact with a, a young girl who could ha- who has some possibly some special abilities. And I mean, and bad guys are after the girl, and they have to get away. I mean, <laughs> you, you look at all these movies, and yeah, all these big budget movies are not going to really go going to go very deep or very different on plot. But it, the execution uh, is pretty great. The young girl who I I don't uh, was there Daphne Keen is uh, is awesome as uh, I don't I can't remember her name, but like she has some she's a really awesome actress and really does a great job. I think they kind of be, becomes more of an X Men movie near the end. They they kind of take away from the more intimate storytelling for the for the finale but i feel like this is a, a well well-earned film a good kind of farewell to hugh jackman playing this character and uh definitely worth worth checking out if you haven't seen it yet and fine, uh, <laughs> and you, and i like, you I like your no, I didn't. I didn't hate. All right, fine. I'll, I'll talk about Logan. Um, I didn't. I didn't hate Logan. I just it felt like an X Men movie. It felt like the rated R was needless, just so he could swear. Um, I thought they held back big time on any gore that they could have done in order to you know make he sense rips of the, the R rated jaw off, and he rips like, yeah. slices people's arms off and shit. Yeah, it's real quick, though. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really do anything. Um, I think the dynamic between him and the daughter is incredibly weak. Um, I don't really care about her um, and him. Um, the only relationship that was extremely well-written and well-done was between Xavier and Logan. Yeah. Um, that was way better than his daughter relationship. Um, I hated the third act of that movie because it fully does become one of those new age, you know, uh, X-Men, X-Men films where no one uses their powers when they're being chased. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It just, it, it like, it's fine. It's not a bad movie. It's, um, I, I think it's one of those things where I thought, I was really, really going to like it because I get in those modes every once in a while. Like even if it's stuff that I don't really care for, um, I still try to get excited about things. Like I still try to psych myself up a little bit because I, I still want to, like I'm not anti Hollywood at all is, but I, I want to enjoy those things. So I psych myself up. I got really excited about Logan and then I was just like, I was bored for the most part. It's an okay movie, but for the most part, I was incredibly bored. Um, you know, but that, that, that happens with a lot of these, a lot of these movies that are, are bigger that they have great trailers. Um, they got great people behind them. They have decent actors. They have a lot of great things, but, um, you know, backing them. But when it comes to it, it's just, like I really think what could have made that movie is a better um, dynamic between the daughter and Logan. And one thing that frustrated me the most 
was uh, the language barrier that really didn't exist um, because I just thought that was dumb because they easily could have just not done that at all because there's also a plot hole in the whole language barrier thing that didn't make any sense that I've seen other people complain about, but it's like, I guess people don't focus on that. I just think that's a, a glitch in storytelling and mm-hmm. just a bad way to get it. Cause like, again, in film, um, a director, a good director, not saying James Mangold's bad by any means, but they're able to have, um, you can have by body language, you can have two characters have a conversation without actually saying anything. Um, it's the looks that each character can give. It's the body language It's the angles of your, um, you know, your camera angles, your cinematography, um, your editing, it all can be just as useful as words can. And that's something that they didn't accomplish. I don't think, um, I think people are a little too forgiving because it's a little girl uh, and her dad, but as a parent as well, and a filmmaker, I just think that was not handled properly. That said, take Yondu, a blue fucking mohawk motherfucker, and a little digital raccoon. They have very little on-screen time together, and they have a huge turning point and a great dynamic with one another, and they don't even really say anything. They have one little exchange of words, and that means the ent- like you get the whole perspective of Yondu and um, Rocket's life in that prison. Not not even in the prison thing, but when they're uh, talking on the ship, like that's incredible, and it's a fucking digital raccoon, and the raccoon's not even actually there. It's fucking Michael Rooker acting by himself. That's filmmaking. All right. All right. But I'm not shitting on Logan. I'm not like, I'm not against Logan. I do think it has its ups, but I think you're down most of the time. And I just, I, here's the thing is that I'm not a huge Star Wars person, but when I saw Rogue One, I think it went against a lot of what I didn't like about Star Wars. It was its own film. I do not like the X-Men movies. And I was hoping it would, you know, push itself away from that. And that's what it felt like. Like the guys that are hunting the mutants and, you know, I was like, wait, a mutant people hunting people hunting mutant mutants. That's been done in every fucking X-Men movie. You know, it's just, right. and, it, and it, yeah. yeah. All right. Moving along. Um, I watched the Kevin Connor 1977 flick, The People That Time Forgot. This is out on, uh, it was a collaboration between Scorpion and Kino. And I believe it's a sequel to Land That Time Forgot. Um, and he also directed, I believe, At the Earth's Core. And these are just fun, uh, fun films about, you know, people finding lost islands that still have dinosaurs on them and things like that. And, uh, it's it's pretty fun. I guess it is a sequel to The Land That I Forgot. I didn't know really it is. Yeah, think about think about that because um, I feel like it does stand alone. 
on its own, and they're trying to find their friend uh, who's been missing in that region, in that island or whatever, for several years. They're on a, a big ship, and they try to find him, and of course they find him on this uh, island populated by dinosaurs and primitive uh, people and one hot chick. It's like seriously one super hot prehistoric chick. <laughs> Yeah, dude, Kevin Kevin Connors, no joke, man. He's he's made some he's, awesome. um, he's made some great films and a lot, you know, some good horror films. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, this is a lot of fun uh, to watch. So if, if and it looks great, they did a really great job on the transfer stuff. And like, I I love these movies. I need to get. There's one more film of his that I do not own. Um, in in kind of this series of films. Uh, I can't find it right now, but, but a lot of fun, man. I, I love, oh, Warlords of Atlantis. That's, I think, only out on a, uh, like, UK DVD, I believe, but, you know, is it I called have. War, Warlords of the Deep, though? Is it called Warlords of Atlantis? I don't, I don't think that's accurate. It's 1978 Warlords of Atlantis. Oh, okay. I thought it was Warlords of the Deep. Yeah, so 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 one of you companies out there needs to release this because this thing looks super fun, fantastic poster. But uh, yeah, Land that I Forgot, At the Earth's Core, like all these films are are really fun to watch. Um, I watch these with my kids and and my daughter especially. She like, the other kids kind of lose interest, but my daughter's like just sitting there watching. It. She like she loves she loved the cheesy looking dinosaurs, you know, in this one and um and it's, it's worth it's worth the watch. So. UK title Warlords of Atlantis US Warlords of the Oh don't shit, Brad. even Dropping fuck some me. knowledge. I had to look it up because I was like, no, nah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched that movie in you know, years, but uh yeah. Yeah. All right. I got one more, Brad. Here's here's a small budget uh, film for you that I don't think a lot of people have seen. This is a film called Brimstone, directed by Martin Coolhoven, starring Guy Pierce and Dakota Fanning. Uh, Kit Harrington is also in it, a smaller role. But this is a Western horror and Western religious horror. Guy Pierce plays this menacing priest. And is told in, I believe, four chapters, kind of one of these deals where it's not, you're not necessarily watching things in chronological order. Dakota Fanning is brilliant in this. And she, it's a, I don't want to, this is one that I, I, I really don't want to give away, but she, this woman is basically hunted by this evil preacher played by Guy Pierce. And that's really all I want to say about the plot. Guy Pierce is menacing. Like, it's no surprise that he is the villain in this film. Um, Dakota Fanning is really becoming an actress to keep an eye on. She's fantastic in this. I think she's, it's the best I've ever seen her. And, uh, the, this film is uncomfortable. It's ugly. It is, it will, uh, challenge you as you watch it. It's definitely not an easy watch. It's not a, it's not a, 
pop some popcorn and sit down and try to watch a fun movie. This is along the lines of, say, like other Guy Pierce films like, uh, um, oh shoot, what's that uh, other earlier Western he did? Oh crap, I can't. Ravenous? Not Ravenous. Uh, it starts with a P. Oh, you're talking about the one, the proposition. Propos- the proposition. Very similar to that in tone. Nick Cave up in the house. Yeah, uh, where it's just, it's a dark film. But a Guy Pierce, I feel like, is his best in films like The Proposition, films like The Rover. Um, I love. Oh God, The Rover's so good. I, I love his acting in these, in these smaller films, but this is, when he's in, like, this is the difference between big budget and small budget. An actor like Guy Pierce really shines in these lower budget films, cause he's, all in to the character and to the story. And, uh, I would say, like, I would say, I mean, if you, if you're curious about this film, if you liked movies like The Proposition or The Rover, um, even films like The Road, stuff like that, that's the kind of movie you're gonna find yourself kind of getting into. It's a tough watch. It's a, it's a two and a half hour film, but there's, it, there's some payoff to it. I really feel like it's worth watching, and it's one that's underseen. Um, Brad, you were saying that it played in festivals like a couple years back, and it's uh, no, it finally, didn't. No one wanted to play it. Oh shit! Really? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. filmed back in 2015, and it's finally got a release through Momentum Pictures or something like that. Yeah. So. Um, sadly, no. I don't know. Um, I know it played. At TIFF, um, but I don't know. I don't think it played anywhere in the. I don't know if it played too much in the United States, but I remember hearing about it and seeing it for another festival, and I really liked it. But no one, no one wants to play a two-hour and thirty-five-minute movie. Yeah, um, that isn't you know the raid too. So, um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. It's, it's, it's a decent, decent movie, but, um, yeah, watch it. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's streaming or anything like that, but it's, it's definitely, if you like these films, like you give it a shot. It's, and it's, it's been divisive with critics that have seen it too. Like I've seen like some one star reviews from the critic over at Richard, uh, uh, or com. I guess they have critics over there and he gave it a one star review whoever that was but nah, that's a good movie it. um i it's it, it's definitely it's worth watching uh martin Coolhoven is he's a dutch director and i haven't seen anything else of his films but there's some especially towards the end uh some cinematography and it, it's just gorgeous like it's, it's an ugly brutal film but there is some beauty in the film as well and it's just handled I think it's just handled very well. So uh, if you're curious about it, definitely give this a shot. I think there's a lot to, to chew on. All right. That's all I got, Brad. What do you got? That's all you got? Yeah. Um, I don't have uh, – oh, man, I have a lot. Um, I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll hit it up quick. Um, so where do I begin? Um, Streets of Fire is now out on the U.S. Uh, out in the, uh, mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, which it's been on HD DVD in the U.S. It's been 
in the UK on Blu-ray. It's been in Germany uh, on Blu-ray. I had it all, but um, thankfully, um, I was a little, I was stressing a little bit when Shout Factory announced it, just because I know their route. Um, they actually did a 4K uh, transfer. Um, they were able to get um, the original negative. I believe it's an interpositive, which um, no one has done yet. So it looks crisp and clear, and the sound is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen Streets of Fire, uh, you might want to rectify that, because I don't know if you could say that you really like film if you've never seen Streets of Fire. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, next up was uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter. Here, I got a big budget movie for you, Sean. Oh! Woo! You know, I'm, I, I don't mind Resident Evil. I don't mind Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 3 was bleh. And then I, I guess there's a 4 and 5. Um, I can't really keep track of them. I have seen them all. They all, they all blend I together. This is the sixth one. Well, four and five are same exact movie to me. I can't tell the difference. Um, so Willow really wanted to see it because she likes the film. So she was like, "Let's watch," you know, the last one. I was like, "Okay, whatever." You know, it's not that bad. It actually is pretty fun for an action horror film. It revisits the first film uh, a lot. They're actually um, where they started is where they end up, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh. Um, the overall uh, story, the gag, is really great. Doesn't make a lick of sense, but it was pretty cool. I don't think you can care at this point. Now, at this point, um, who gives a shit? <laughs> right. You could just have fun with it, and I lit- I had fun. There's some really great practical effects in this movie, um, which these movies kind of suffered a lot um, You know, in 4 and 5, I believe. That's the reason why I didn't like them. They had a guy that like would run real fast and look silly. Um, but, uh, yeah. So if you're a fan of the franchise, complete it. You probably already have. Um, next up was the Bye Bye Man. Um, (laughs) you know, everybody was shitting on this movie and I was like, you know, this is probably going to be the movie that I like. This is going to be like the boy. This is going to be like, you know, stay alive. I remember when stay alive came out like in 2006 and everybody was shitting on it. I was like, I think stay, Oh, stay alive. And the boy directed by the same guy, I believe it's weird. Um, so I was like, I like these movies. I like, there are some times where I just get into it. Like I really love nineties and you know, everything pretty much before 2005 horror. Um, anything after I'm or sorry, everything after kind of 2000 between, let me take that back. 2004 and 2007 was a really wonky years for horror. I believe. Um, but I like everything from like the 90s, like 90, 97, 96, 96, 97 to about 2002, 2003. I really dig. Um, so the Bye Bye Man kind of fits in that model of like those ghost house picture movies, Dark Castle Entertainment stuff that was coming around that time. That's the kind of vibe I got from it, like Darkness Falls and stuff like that. Um, so I was like, I'm going in with an open mind. I turn it on. I'm watching it with Willow. She wants to see it. I'm like fucking like my legs like bouncing around the first like the first 10 minutes of this movie, maybe five, maybe it's five minutes are fucking incredible. It's a one long take, one long shot of uh, Lee Wynell, who wrote Insidious and, um, you know, Cooties and Saw and all that stuff. Um, he plays uh, the the guy in the beginning who just 
rolls up to a car or rolls up to a house in a car and gets out and he's like, who did you tell? And like, she's like tells, and then he just goes on a fucking killing rampage going from house to house. And it's just incredibly well done. It's really well shot. Yeah, the cinematography is great. The costumes are, are, are not costumes, but the, just the wardrobes are great. The settings of the house like to feel like you're actually back like in the seventies is really great. And then the movie just takes a complete fucking nosedive <laughs> and never, ever, 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 ever recovers. And it just mm. gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And, like I watched the uh, the direct or the unrated one or you know the not in theaters where it's like fifteen minutes longer. I was thinking maybe I'll watch this and I'll be able to like tell people, hey, this is like you know Alien Three. It's a lot better than the theatrical cut. Nope, I don't believe it is. Um, it is fucking weird. It is not very good and it's very discombobulated. Like it has no structure whatsoever. Really sad. Uh, sad! Exclamation point, exclamation point, <laughs> exclamation point. Um, uh, next up, I watched Triple uh, X um, 3, whatever the subtitle to this movie is. The Return um, of Xander Cage. There you go. So I saw Triple X in theaters when it came out because Vin Diesel was hot at the, <laughs> at, the, at the time, you know, and I, I actually, I do like Vin Diesel. Um, just because I think he's, he's fun. He's, uh, you know, uh, him and the rock are like the Schwarzenegger and Stallone of this time. It feels like, you know, and Jason Statham thrown in there. That, that's what it feels like. I, I can enjoy these movies because these are the movies that I enjoyed in the eighties, like fucking Django and cash. Um, so, uh, I saw triple X and it was like, okay, whatever. And then triple X two came out, state of the union of Placed it, you know, with a new like they're trying to do a bond thing, you know, where it's just triple X is the name of the group and you become X, you know. Um, so when three came out and I saw the trailer of them with the speed bikes with um, ski equipment and going in the water and hitting waves and all that stuff, I was like, nah, I'm OK. Um, but then I had a couple people that I trust said, hey. This actually isn't that bad, and it's actually quite fun. So I was like, okay, oh my god, fucking Triple X3 is a blast. It is better than the past two Fast and Furious movies because it has, wow. like, Triple X is definitely, or Vin Diesel's like, all right, Fast and Furious is popular, let's do this as well. Like, let's make this a Fast and the Furious movie. So. They bring in a team, you know, Ice Cube returns, um, Samuel, Samuel Jackson plays, you know, like this, he plays Nick Fury, trying to get all these people together that are badasses <laughs> yeah. around the world that are great stuntmen and DJs. What? Yes, I know. And, like, literally, he's a DJ, but he's, like, really good at fighting. Um, so, like, I'm like, okay, and then... The, the movie starts and it's just it, it's crazy. It's goofy. It's it's a big budget fucking steroidal jack off entertainment. But I tell you, it has charm. It has uh, great characters. Um, you know, it has a great camaraderie. It has has that group. You know that 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 A team uh, feel. 
Um, and Ruby Rose is in it, which I, I didn't like, I found out about Ruby Rose during John Wick too. I know people know her from, I guess that show that orange is the new black. Um, but Ruby Rose is also in resident evil. Um, but she is one of the cutest thing ladies I've seen in a long, long time. And she's decked out with tattoos and she's super, she's super, super sexy. But I, I, I like Ruby Rose, but Donnie Yen is in this and he's basically, yeah, he's like a big star in it. Like he has a huge amount of screen time. Uh, Tony Yaw is in it. Um, I mean, these two are just fucking going around with Vin Diesel and Ruby Rose and these two other guys and Ice Cube, and they're just tearing motherfuckers apart. And I'm like, this is a franchise I could get behind if it keeps this up. You know, because I was never, like, I saw Fast and Furious. I was like, okay, that was fun. The sequel came out. I was like, ah, okay. Third one, nope. I'm still not a Tokyo Drift fan. And the fourth one came out, I skipped in theaters, and then everybody, the fifth one came out, and I was like, no way, and then everybody went ape shit, and then I went ape shit, and I became a big fan of Fast and the Furious. So I feel like this could be the next Fast and the Furious thing. It would be Triple X. They get another movie under their belt, then all of them become classics, like Fast and the Furious. That's what I predict's going to happen. Wow. Um, next up was... Um, uh, Mondo Weirdo by uh, Cult Epics. I don't know. Um, it's a uh, experimental music video with a narrative with no dialogue. And it's a hardcore film. Um, I really don't have much to say. I don't, I don't get it. Um, sometimes I think some of these art house movies try to be too art house for their own good. Um, seems like something that could just play in an art house museum when a party is going on in the background. And that's how people would enjoy it. If actually not watching it, but just watching it from a distance. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, young girls of Rochefort, which I, uh, brought up, um, on the pool party, Matt, pool party massacre episode. I got into watching, uh, Shucky's Denny. I guess that's how you say his name. I was trying to be all fancy as shit. Um, umbrellas of Sherberg, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, but it's, uh, the film, I guess he did beforehand, which is another musical, but it is, um, definitely goes against the grain of what your musicals are. Um, usually are where it's like song and dance, breakdown, chorus, all that stuff. And then they go back about their business and they talk and then they break it out in a number and have chorus. This movie is completely just singing of the screenplay. Like there's no, the whole entire thing from the front or the beginning to the end is a hundred percent of musical. Um, but there's actually no songs it's just them singing the script. Jack, that was more like uh, op- opera. Opera operates that way. Yeah, I've never watched an opera, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I watched Fan of the Opera, but that has uh, talking in it, dialogue. Are you talking yeah. about like on on Broadway and stuff? No, I mean, it, there's you know, o- opera is telling the Are story. You about- 
like okay. an no, opera. I see what you're saying. I see what you're yeah, saying. It's telling a story almost front to back through music. Like there's still some talking here and there, but an opera is like very, you know, very much using the music and the and and seeing the lyrics yeah. front to back. I don't you know. think there's any. I don't think there's one line of dialogue that doesn't have music behind it in this movie, which I thought was pretty ballsy. Like I've never encountered that before. And there's, like I said, there's no song, so there's no chorus, there's no songs per se. It's just scenes, and they're just singing the script. I thought that was, uh, and it goes against your normal like cliche love stories. It is a hundred percent different from the normal bullshit that was coming out around this time. And still to this day. So I give it a lot of cred. Um, and the only thing I wasn't a fan is that Young Girls for Rochefort, the cinematography and camera work is just so grand and big. This one's very close up um, and a lot of just, you know, mid shots, which was very odd and a lot of close ups, which, OK, I mean, I don't want to see the same movie over again. Um, and he did achieve something different, making two musicals back to back with some of the same actors. Um, but making them completely different. Um, and then last but not, Oh, I did watch battleship. Never watched that movie. <laughs> um, don't ask me why I watched that. Um, and then last but not least, I watched, um, I'll talk about this movie real quick. I, I, I do a movie night every Wednesday. Um, I don't talk usually about the what's on your doorstep during movie night, but I, I get a little hyped up when this movie comes up. Um, and it rarely ever, ever does. And so if you ever, if you trust my word and you listen to me and you actually watch the movies I tell you to, which I know a lot of people do, um, this is a movie that you must track down. Um, it's one of my favorite things of all time. Um, I mean, we're talking like top maybe 30, 40 here um, is a movie called Heat After Dark. It's only 50 minutes, so it's not really a feature. Um, but it's a very cool and smooth 50 minutes. It's uh, directed by Ryu Kitamura, which you would know probably from his mainstream U.S. movies, uh, Midnight Meat Train and No One Lives. Um, back in when he was getting started in Japan, he was making movies like Versus, uh, Azumai, uh, Aragami, Alive. Yeah, they all have AIDS. Um, uh, Sky High was another film he did not the one with Kurt Russell. Um, so he had this movie that he did before he did down to hell, which is down to hell is a very, like a 30 minute prequel to verses. Um, kind of how he got verses off the ground, but he did this and this is, this is some of the best filmmaking that I, I have seen. Um, this film almost feels like a resume for a bigger job to show you, I can do styles. I can do different things. Um, the film starts off very Tarantino ish. Um, you know, uh, following, following two people. Um, like I'll I'll tell you, it's just, they enter a bar and it's just, you follow their feet and they sit down on a bar and they just have a conversation. All you're looking at is the people's legs, but the stuff in the background, uh, that you see mid level is actually what's happening in the film. Um, but he has many different styles that he tells um, or that he shows that he can do. He can do action. He can do drama. He can do artsy fartsy stuff. He can do kind of flashy stuff too. Um, but it's basically about this guy who um, has this friend 
who is not very, not a very good guy in a way, um, gets in some trouble with some gangsters and calls for his friend's help to, uh, deliver, uh, to basically get this body that he, um, has on his hands and to deliver these guns. Um, it turns out his friend is not telling him the full story. They end up in, um, kind of a warehouse field, uh, multiple warehouses and stuff end up with uh, a bunch of gangsters and um, just them. And they have an old fashioned shootout. Um, and it's a great gun movie. There's lots of guns. There's lots of gunplay. There's a lot of cool stuff with guns. Um, and it has an amazing fucking soundtrack. Um, it's very bizarre because it's the first time I actually have heard Mongolian throat singing. Hmm. where it's just this I mean the film has like this western type soundtrack too it has this really poppy soundtrack but then like when the um, you know the gangsters are roaming through the hallways there's this Mongolian throat singing that's happening that's very like unnerving really really great um, but yeah it's called Heat After Dark you can pick it up on DVD fairly cheap um, uh there is like a release that's more expensive. Uh, there's one that looks like a bootleg, um, it might be a bootleg, um, but it actually has good quality. I think he filmed it on 16 millimeters, so that's the reason why it looks so like gritty and dark. Um, and he's independent too. I mean, he made this movie basically with just the change he had in his uh, pocket. Um, same thing with Down to Hell and Versus after that. Um, so it really shows you that he could do so much with so little. It's just a shame that he kind of diverted from that and became more just of a, you know, a paid, I don't even know why people would pick him based off the last couple of movies he's done. Um, but he started off with a, a huge bang. So heat after dark people, uh, check it out. It's really good. Um, since we're talking about music last night, I got a chance to watch, um, Lakeshore uh, Records. Um, they had a guy come in and rescore Night of the Living Dead, um, the 1968 version. Um, I'm a huge fan of Night of the Living Dead. I've watched it so, 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 so many times. It's one of my go-to movies that I just put on. Um, it the movie moves super fast for me when I watch it. I only feel like I'm watching it for like 20 minutes and it's over. Um, I think it's extremely well crafted. Um, it's well, uh, lit, even like for a black and white movie, which you can't really see color and stuff. Um, other than black and white, of course, um, and gray at times, <laughs> but, uh, there's something about night of the living dead. That's just so like spot on. I think it's got great characters. It has all types of characters. It has a black man as the hero in the sixties, you know, hitting a white woman and telling white white people what to do. I think it's great. Um, but I would never want to see that film touched at all. Um, so when they said they rescored it, I was like, all right. So you take out the music. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and it not be too cheesy. At times, there's a little bit of a, okay, that's a little too much. But it's this artist that really took kind of the 70s grindhouse-y um, Italian scored films and t- turned that around on um, Night of the Living Dead. 
and holy fuck, it works so well. Um, they do mess with the movie a little bit as far as cutting out certain lines of dialogue, making it just um, silent with music, which I thought was an interesting choice. There are some interesting choices where they mess with the audio with the dialogue at times, which was, I thought, very well done and a very good idea. Um, the movie, like I like the movie, but I don't find it scary or tense at all. Um, and that's something, this is a movie that I watched when I was a kid. I never felt anything. So I wasn't really desensitized. I mean, at the time at the drive-in, I can imagine this movie really impacting you just like a lot of films did, but there's no, nothing tense about, um, Night of the Living Dead, but this movie makes it very unnerving. They make sequences, um, kind of almost like to a paranoid, para, para, what am I trying to say? Para, not paranormal. Oh my God. Uh, paranoid. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like into a paranoid state where the dialogue that, that they're exchanging and um, like, is just normal run of the mill dialogue. But with the music, you can really see how the music changes the mood of the film and the tone of the film. Um, and like they make uh you know, Dwayne Jones character, uh, Ben, I believe, um, his character is kind of more menacing and, um, and even like heavier than before. Uh, Barbara is more like, even though she's kind of useless in the film, which is one of the reasons why I like the remake is Barbara's a badass. Um, they make Barbara like more of a paranoid, uh, crazy person in the film. Um, so I thought it was really unique and it's extremely well done. Uh, the soundtrack is fucking incredible. It doesn't repeat constantly. Like I thought it might like they had one good song or they make it try to sound like, um, something like it's definitely goblin oriented. Like you can hear God, especially in the beginning. It reminds me of uh, zombie. Um, but they do so much stuff, even certain uh, sequences. Like you could tell that they were definitely phantasm. Uh, fans so they have like it's not a riff off phantasm but you can feel um that's where it came from but just an excellent well done rescored movie which i didn't think would work and not that i even wanted to see it but i had a chance to see it and i did and it's really fucking good and since the movie's public domain um you can definitely find it online somewhere i was reading about it later on there were um actually it was uh conversing with Lakeshore and they said, yeah, you know, the film's out there. Like it's public domain. We put the music out there for free. We didn't make any money off of it. We just wanted to do something cool. And I was like, that's, this is fucking awesome. Like you guys did a really, really bang up job. And the artist uh, or the musician did a great job as well. Um, and just mixing it too, I thought was uh, really well done. So yeah, if you get a chance, I mean, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or something. But, uh, yeah, just watch Night of the Living Dead rescored. It's fucking amazing. It's really, really good. Nice. And I think, uh, oh, and then one more. I should have ended with that. Oh, this is a weird one to talk about. Arrow has Arrow Academy line, which we've talked, I think I've talked about a couple of their films. Arrow Academy is definitely more criterion uh, basis of films they're releasing. They started Arrow Academy um, a, a few months ago over here. 
with um, films like Cinema Paradiso, which is one of my favorites. And then um, they released this documentary. I saw this documentary at Fantastic Fest. I would never think that this would be released under an Arrow line, mainly because it's a contemporary film, um, which they've done two contemporary titles now, the We Are the Flesh and now The Creeping Garden, which is an extremely fascinating movie about mold. (laughs) It is um, about scientists and people that are obsessed with mold. It's crazy. Um, the, some of the people are crazy too, which I might add, because there's some people that believe the mold is, um, yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but they, they do believe the mold can do things and change things, um, in a different scale of just being moldy. Um, kind of like in room two, three, seven, when you talk to people and they think that, you know, the Minotaur is like a huge thing about the shining, have you ever watched Room 237 yet? No. Have you heard about it? Yeah. Yeah. But I heard it's the same guy that did the documentary about the Nightmare. Night. Yeah. Yeah, and I hated that, so I'm not going to watch it. Well, the Nightmare is definitely <laughs> – I, I think the Nightmare is bogus, but um, there's something fascinating about Room 237 because it's so absurd and crazy. Um, but same, same with the creeping garden. It's actually really educational and very interesting, but every once in a while they get somebody in there that's like really fucking obsessed with slime mold. And you think that, you know, maybe they're fucking the mold like on the side. So be careful with your dick in the slime mold. But anyways, yeah, it's, it's a really fun documentary. I'm glad arrow took the time to release a, a doc on their arrow Academy label. Um, very bizarre release for them. I highly doubt they'll sell any of them, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I do encourage people to, to watch it. I mean, if it's down in price, which I don't think they're going to be charging like, you know, 30 bucks for this thing. Um, you know, I think even Mike has it at Grindhouse video. So buy it from there. But it's, it's a really, really interesting documentary about i didn't think that you could make mold interesting but i think you can make an interesting doc about anything if you have a hook you know yeah but uh, i think i think i think that's it awesome all right one last thing um the friday of the 13th game is out and is it we we played we played a little bit of it when we can and if 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 it works when it works it's super fun um but be patient if if you're still having issues and go easy on the studio who made it <laughs> i think they uh, didn't realize that I, nah. I feel like they didn't they didn't know i don't know they didn't do some homework on servers and stuff like that. But it, it, it arrived basically dead on arrival, especially on Xbox One. But uh, hopefully by now it is working. But I would definitely... Well, actually, you, you I, about I, just, it, I just looked this in. up, and they're shutting down the servers. Oh, shit. Tonight. Um, oh, I guess that was last night. Um, and now they just tweeted servers are back in um, about another 30 minutes. So that was 15 minutes ago. Hopefully when this episode airs, uh, you're able to play Friday the 13th. Here's the thing, man, is I know that there's glitches and shit happens, but when you have a multi-million dollar game, 
coming out on a yeah. weekend. Um, you need on to have your shit together. Weekend, yeah, you need weekend. to have your shit together. Um, I understand indie games have issues, but not issues where you can't play the fucking game. <laughs> well, see, normally that's why they release a single player game with the stream, like with the online game. For some reason, they delayed they delayed the single player. And but you can't play released. anything. Like you can just no, no, mess with the menus. Any, you you yeah. can't even run around. You can't even run around a blank map. Like <laughs> you, there's nothing at all. Like no tutorial or anything. Like that. That's like strictly online games, man. Tread carefully on those. Um, I'm hoping the single player fixes it eventually once they release it. But I think it's. It's one of those things where they they had to release something. This was a Kickstarter thing. They delayed it a year already. And they had to release something, but I'm almost like, you know what? Maybe you guys should have waited a couple more months till you had the single player ready, you know? So I don't know, but hopefully by now it's working. Like when it's working, I had a blast playing it. It's and still really glitchy it, though. It, even in know, the game. Yeah, I was trying to figure, I was trying to hit, I was like right in front of, like Jason's right in front of me. He's just standing there and I have a machete and I'm trying to hit him and only like one out of 10 blows actually hit him. Yeah, so no, some, it's it's there's some glitches, but the hit markers are really off. Um, the like just structure of the buildings you can get uh, tied up in walls and and doors, and it's just yeah. But see, even like companies like Bethesda can't get away from those problems once the game launches. So that kind of stuff is easily patched. But like I said, when a game arrives completely dead. And you're and you're paying thirty dollars plus on that 40. game. Holy shit! Like like that is frustrating. I paid forty dollars so for it. Like yeah, oh it's God. it's one of those things where you know. It, 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 my buddy Peter Hall made a good point um, today on on Twitter. Is he said apparently you know the gaming industry is only one thing where you can pay for something and then they're like <laughs> oh we're working on it. He was like, right. it's true. Like, imagine going to a restaurant and dropping $40 on a meal and say, oh, you know what? We can't actually serve you right now. Um, later, we're working on it. Or even a film. What you, like, what you, like, you know what, what happens? Movies do? green screen. We'll, we'll, we'll fill in later for the deep, for the Blu ray release. It'll be finished yeah. by the Blu ray release. I mean, honestly, if you think that you may have issues and if you, <laughs> like, and the, I know some people are, are, they're like, we didn't anticipate so many people. You're making a fucking. Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th game, which we haven't had one since the 80s on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And the horror community is more than your fucking 15,000 backers you had on your Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, this is going to yeah. be a worldwide game. Plus, it's a new game. People play games in general. And it's cheaper. Yeah. Come on, man. So, hopefully by the time you guys are hearing this, it's good. But I would say, if you haven't... Ju- bit yet on the game make sure the game's working talk to some people see what's going on do some research on it um like i like i said i think this is one of those potential games but yeah it's frustrating that it's not (laughs) it makes no sense it makes no sense at all to buy something and have it not work it's just the most frustrating thing and you're right like peter hall's right it only happens in the gaming industry and it's super frustrating i guess the game prey the same thing happened where like an hour in, there's like a game killing glitch, and like on the release weekend or release day, and half the people would play an hour, invest an hour into this game, and have it just completely crash and not be able to. It, it it's 
mind blowing that that this happens. So whatever it is, what it is, I guess. I'll use that phrase for this. It is what it is. <laughs> All right, let's jump but, into but what. Oh, I'm I'm super happy that they're doing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to shit on a company, but it is really frustrating when those types of things happen. I mean, I know, understand it's going to be fixed, you know. So maybe we, you know, don't want to be too negative, Nancys. But Jesus Christ, it's it's no, funny, yeah. but it's also like really dumb. You it know? happens all the time. Like this isn't anything new, especially with online games. So yeah, like like you said, normally there's an on at least the online version or the the offline version. At least you can play something and at least get a feel for the game. But anyway, yeah, whatever. But uh, it's dude, they get it so right though. Like when you're playing and how the music changes and you're 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 walking around and all of a sudden you hear the ch 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 ch. Yeah, yeah. It's like holy shit! Like it gets it. It actually gets. You know, a little bit tense, you know, and then the music escalates as soon as if Jason's stalking you, like the music escalates and the the strings go up. It's, I, I don't it's like really the well done, I don't like the morph goes. thing, like the travel thing that Jason has. Oh, man, he can basically appear anywhere. Yeah, I see. I don't like that. Like, and there seems like there's no really cooldown for it either. So once uh, Jason has uh, you, you're pretty much fucked, which makes sense. But like. I don't know. I just don't like. I think he still should be able to have to walk. That he shouldn't morph because they're making Jason a little too supernatural. Like I get it, yeah. he is, but um, you know, just make it like make it where if somebody makes a noise or anything like that in the area, like you can tell. Yeah, I haven't played as Jason enough to to know to know, but but you know. We'll have to uh, we'll have to freaking figure out a uh, do a Twitch thing or whatever you and me. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, moving along, let's jump into news with Josh Obershaw, and we will be back talking about brain damage. Our website correspondent, our new release correspondent, our uh, master of Blu-rays. Josh Obershaw joins us now with some uh, new release information. What's up, man? Man, every time I hear hear that intro music, I I feel like I should be dressed like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> exactly, it's why I chose it. <laughs> it's nice. literally from like a 1970s news channel. Oh yeah, <laughs> such good stuff. But uh, I got I got a few things this week. Uh, it's another light week, but pretty exciting. Jeff Nelson and Cliff McMillan from Screen Factory were on the most recent episode of Shockwaves, and they just revealed four titles that are going to be released in September. They include 1968's A Quiet Place in the Country, 1977's The Spell, 1989's After Midnight, and The Resurrected. All of those are going to be released in September, as I said, and uh, I know a lot of people are excited about the Resurrected. I have oh, yeah. actually never never heard of this movie until I believe it was either you or Brad showed off a, a German import on one yeah. of the What's on Your Doorstep videos. Yep. And that import's gorgeous. However, the booklet is in German. So it looks great on the shelf, but uh you know, not it's it 
I, I guarantee you Screen Factory is going to bring over those special features, which are great. I think they're done by Red Shirt Media. Bring those over, and they're probably going to add some more. It's going to be it's going to be probably, uh, I'm guessing, a pretty good disc. So I'll probably end up picking that up as well. It's a great movie. Oh, I can't wait to check that out then. Yeah. Because like I said, never heard of it before. It just kind of slipped by my uh, VHS days. Anyways, moving on from that, the extras for Species have been revealed. A lot of them are going to be ported over from uh, other editions, but there was one in particular that I wanted to let people know. I mean, uh, in addition to a new 4K scan, we've got Afterbirth, The Evolution of Species, featuring interviews with director Roger Donaldson, the cinematographer, the production designer, Christopher Young, who composed the movie, it looks like it's going to be a pretty pretty good doc. I mean, all of the Screen Factory docs are pretty pretty stellar. So, I think that's going to be the deciding factor to me. Like, I'm not the biggest species fan in the world, but that's enough for me to want to pick this one up. Sweet. So that's all the Screen Factory news. Uh, 88 Films have announced a bunch of release dates. They've got one Dark Knight. Schedule for sometime in the late summer. They've got Just Before Dawn coming out on July 24th. That one's loaded with a uh, few goodies, including uh, an extended version. The Long Hair of Death, hmm, also coming out on July 24th. You've got Body Puzzle on June 12th. You've got Joe Bullet on September 11th. The Flying Guillotine, that one's coming out August 21st. And you've got The Oily Maniac. Related to the Greasy Strangler? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe an inspiration? Possibly. <laughs> but that one's coming out on July 24th. Next up, nice little tidbit. Shameless is putting out Torso. That one's coming out on August 7th. Next up, uh, Vinegar Syndrome. This past weekend was Memorial Day weekend, so they had their halfway to Black Friday sale. They also revealed their July package, which includes 1986's My Chauffeur and the 1984 film Matinee Idol. Those are going to be the Blu-ray DVD combos, the special ones that will be available by themselves if you don't want to pick up the the Picaramas, which this month is going to be Afternoon Delights and Slave of Pleasure on one disc. And the other one includes My Master, My Love – and more. So that's the uh, July package. And finally, some uh, big studio news. Warner Brothers have announced a date, some dates for Kong Skull Island. It's going to be available on digital June 20th, and it'll be available on home video on, uh, excuse me, July 18th. It's going to be available in 4K and in 3D Blu-ray, of course, regular Blu-ray, it's got some features on it, but that is definitely one uh, big studio release that I am really, really excited for because that movie is awesome. Sweet. And me being a huge King Kong fan, I mean, I'm definitely buying that one. So guess what, Sean? That's all the news I got this week. Oh, man. Short and sweet. Exactly. All right, Josh. Thank you so much, man, and uh, talk to you next time. We'll see you guys next time.
funny. One night you go to bed, and when you wake up, everything is different. Brian's acting a little peculiar. He's like a completely different person. I don't even know him anymore. Something's gotten into him. Sometimes everything glows with a different kind of light. Deep into him. What are you telling me? That we killed someone last night? Something bad. <laughs> something slimy. What are you doing? Something very. I know something's happened to you. Very. How is that? Hungry. <laughs> Well, today we are talking about Arrow's release of the 1988 Frank Henenlotter film. Brain damage. Brain damage. Now, this got a limited edition treatment with a... Whoa, whoa! Slipcover. And if you were lucky enough to buy it early, uh, it came with an enamel pin. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Enamel pin of Elmer. So, Brad, this was my first time watching Brain Damage. It's been a long time since you had seen it. And what can people expect from this film? Uh, maybe I'm not one to speak on behalf of the film. I don't really care for Brain Damage oh all that much. Um, really? Really? Yeah, I I like Hen and Lauder. I like the batshit craziness of Basket Case. I like Frankenhooker. Um, but I'm just not. I don't know. There's there's something about the film that seems a little too cartoonish for me. Well, if you look if you if you look at the creature Elmer. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. I yeah. I get it, but um, it's just I don't know. It just I I don't really care for. There are elements that I do like about the film. I like how ballsy it is, um, but I just there's something about it that I also just think it's a little too too bland for Hen and Water. <laughs> there's certain scenes in the film that are like what the fuck, but like you know for the most part. There's just, you know, it's just really, I don't know, it's just there. So the plot of Brain Damage is this young man wakes up uh, and he discovers that this small creature has basically uh, not necessarily attached itself to his brainstem like permanently, but this creature has chosen him as a host basically and what it what this creature does is it'll inject some sort of drug into his brainstem giving him kind of this euphoria uh and uh this creature talks 
to him. And they need each other. Uh, basically, the creature needs him to basically bring people uh, brains for this creature, Elmer, uh, to feed on. And uh, it kind of goes, you know, if he, if he complies and feeds Elmer a brain, he gets this little injection of drugs, basically. And it's kind of like he becomes addicted to this, to this drug and they kind of need each other in a sense. And, and, uh, he's, this guy is stuck with, uh, this, this creature. Um, Brian, I guess is the main character's name played by Rick Hurst. And, Man, I, I had some fun with it. I feel like it's he's trying more horror comedy. Um, Basket Case is a, is definitely a different different story. I haven't seen Frankenhooker yet. Sitting right here, I was going to try to watch it before the show, but it's definitely on the list to watch. And I hear a lot of really good things about it. But this, I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. I had some. Uh, there's this. It's not taking itself seriously, but there is. And I think with. Hen and Lauder, there's uh definitely he tries to bring in these crazy what the fuck moments. Like there's this uh there is a one scene on the roof of a is it on the roof of a club or the alley. But yeah, oh, the fla- the flatio scene? The fla- the flatio scene. Well mm-hmm. that that's was, ridiculous. I think that's the first time that I saw it because on the VHS and stuff it was cut. Oh really? Oh yeah, I don't God. think that was. I don't think that <laughs> was actually on the uh, okay um, VHS when I yeah. saw it. It's it's really it is a little tough to watch. It's, it's very uh, it, it goes on a little too long. You're like, I get the idea, I get it. Yeah, it's 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 uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> imagine what the actresses felt <laughs> like. Um, right. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those movies that, I don't know, like, I, I, I think my biggest takeaway from it, and this is, uh, kind of based off kind of the bluish and purplish, uh, tint, the color palette that the film has, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, I don't know, it just makes me uncomfortable. And I, I mean, bravo to Henelot if that's what he's trying to do. But it's just it's it's one of those films where I just get turned off um, seeing it. Um, it's really sweaty. Um, it feels like everything's like you know ninety degrees in the rooms. Um, uh, I don't like Elmer. You don't you know, like Elmer? He's no. so cute, but he's so no. cute. But he's you know he's frightening all at the same time yeah i don't know i'm just i've just never been you know a huge brain damage fan uh i guess i mean i i i do love the reference to basket case (laughs) in the film i thought that was hilarious but i mean you know actually that was the only there's only two things i remember about the film before watching it I mean, I remember some some scenes and stuff. It's been a while. I had to be this for so long. Um, watched it as a kid, but I remember vividly the basket case uh, scene where they, yeah. you know, of course, reference basket case, and then um, just remember that Zachary uh, voiced Elmer, which um, 
for the hard, hard whore, can't, whore fans know Zachary, um, who he was. But yeah, he voiced uh, Elmer, but that's that's all I kind of remember. He's like, hey, Brian, are you going to give me some brains, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm not, like, I like Ken and Lauder because he's kind of in your face and he doesn't really care. And I like that aspect, but I just don't really care for, uh, for brain damage. Wow. You're a Debbie Downer. But I, I, I do like that. Ba- I like damage. Basket Case. I like Basket Case 2 of how crazy that is. I, um, I'm not a big fan of Basket Case 3. I, uh, I don't mind his movie Bad Biology. I, um, I, um, I like Frankenhooker. So, and that, that sexploitation doc was good too. Yeah. So I'm a fan of Hanalotter. I just don't really care for this movie all that much. All right. Well, I thought it was a blast. If you like things that are a little bit different and a little bit batshit, I feel like it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this limited edition looks fantastic. It has a brand new documentary on it with, uh, all the act, with most of the actors, uh, Rick Herbst. Of course, uh, it's called Listen to the Light, the Making of Brain Damage, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there's a sequence or a little feature about the effects of brain damage, as well as a feature looking at how they animated Elmer and, um, and, and a lot more. Like, this thing's packed. If you're a fan of the film, definitely worth checking out. You know what uh, I don't like? You know, yeah, I think I know what it is. What is it, Brad? It reminds we, get, me too, we, we need to get to the bottom of this. It reminds me too much of um, of a trauma film. That's what it is. Really? Yeah. With okay. with Elmer, um, him leeching on to people, kind of the euphoria sequences, um, the fellatio sequence, um, kind of um, the sexual tone of the film like it's hen and Lauder. he likes sex you know he's a very vocal gay man you know he likes talking about you know dicks and vaginas um and i don't know that with the cinematography and how the film looks and that tone and that attitude it feels like a trauma movie so maybe that's why i don't like it wow too slapsticky. Well, it's too slapsticky for me. That's what it is. Gotcha. So, all right. I I dig that aspect. I think it's fun. And you know, when you're watching a lot of horror movies and everything like that, it's fine. It's it's good to find a nice kind of fun, gross out flick. The the sequence where he's like pulling something out of his ear. Oh, find gifts yeah. of that. Like it's great. Like that's a fantastic little gross out scene. And, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I don't know. Don't let Brad scare you off, everybody. Jesus. I thought don't we had a lot more to talk li- about here. Don't, with, don't uh, listen to me. Damage. Don't listen to me. I'm full of shit. <laughs> no, I just, yeah. It's not, 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 uh, not the fan you would expect, I guess. Or I'm not a fan, Jeez. as you would it's probably good thing expect. Inter- good thing we didn't interview the director. Man. I I I wouldn't hold back. I I'm a fan of Hen and Lauder. I just don't really <laughs> care for brain damage. And I'm not on this. I we're not on this show to 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 make. I mean, we've made friends. We've made enemies. 
but I'm just fucking honest. I'm I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat something for anybody. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. Well, great work by Arrow as always on this. Yeah, packaging um, is great. Transfer is great. Everything about it's great on that side. Yeah. Well, let's move into our next segment here. Uh, and let's jump into some stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! Scream, I'll break your neck. Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. 1-800-555-FEAR. <laughs> Today we are talking about the 1994 film Brain Scan. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Trickster. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. Michael's seen it. Go for it, man. Done it. Played it. Look, I've played them all. And just when he thought he'd die of boredom. Brain scan. The ultimate experience in interactive terror. Never leave home without it. <laughs> You're in the game, man. You're in control. You must think like a killer. Cover up any clues. Leave no witnesses, no evidence. A challenge he can't resist. It was so real. It was sick. See, I told you, man. I told you it would blow your mind. A game he can't escape. There was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today. So you did it. What was on that desk? It's not a game anymore. Hamilton and Hayden. It's real. It wasn't supposed to be real! Real, unreal, what's the difference? Edward Furlong, Frank Langella, and introducing T. Ryder Smith as the trickster. Brain scan. I can't wait to see what you do next. Directed by John Flynn, starring Edward Furlong. Yeah, Eddie. Frank Langella. Yeah, don't forget about the Langella. (laughs) This is a CD-ROM horror movie. Dude, it is (laughs) so good. All right, so let's, let's start off by talking about Brain Scan. Is um is written by Andrew uh Andrew Walker, who you were like I don't know that name, but he fucking wrote um uh the badass fucking uh horror film because Jeff Goldblum's only done a, a, a few horror films in his time, and when he does horror films, they're really really great. He did Hideaway, and he also wrote um the notor not notorious because that is a bad. That's a negative connotation. Uh, wrote seven, uh, David Fincher's seven. Um, here, let me, I got to look up the rest of his stuff now. Cause I forgot. Mm-hmm. Eight millimeter and sleepy hollow. And he wrote the wolf man too, which is weird. We're not, we won't talk about that. Um, so <laughs> Andrew Walker has, a very unique style and he likes weird shit and he likes getting a little dirty. Um, brain scan is a little cart 
cartoonish at times, but it's also just really kind of, uh, I don't know. It's, you have John Flynn also directing the film who fucking directed, you know, Rolling Thunder, one of the, you know, greatest action movies ever. Um, you know, he, he fucking did that, um, what's that dude's name that, uh, Jan Michael Vincent movie came out on Blu-ray last year. He like hits people with like a bow staff. <laughs> God damn it. Jan Michael Vincent movie in the eighties. I can't think of that anymore. But anyways, um, but yeah, John, John Flynn, he did some, uh, you know, action movies. He did the Out for Justice movie with Steven Seagal. So you have an action director making this kind of horror, um, like taking on, you know, CD-ROMs, which was, you know, kind of popular at the time. Um, I guess it really was really, really popular. I was only 10. How old were you in 94? That's when this movie came out, right? 94? Yeah, I was um I was like 16. So CD-ROMs were very very popular around this time. Oh yeah, they were the new thing. They were it was like All right. All right. So you it, have it, it it it's perfect for the time. It's super outdated right now, but at the time we were like, "Oh, CD-ROMs, amazing. You can do like these interactive interactive games and movies, you know." <laughs> yeah, so you have like, you know, a newer writer um, you know, Walker coming in, teaming up with Flynn, who both of these dudes do not like from their previous and future filmography, uh, mainly for um, Walker, is that none of these, both of these people don't seem like they would do anything like this. Um, But at the same time, they weren't getting huge stars other than fucking Furlong might have been kind of hot at the time. But he was just coming off of uh, Terminator 2. Like, there wasn't really anything, you know, it was like three years after that. Because Terminator, what? Terminator 2 was in 91? Right? Uh, I'm asking you. I'm, I am i don't freaking, I'm trying to think. I don't know when Terminator 2 came out. So, I mean, uh, the only other movie that he did yeah, before. Yeah, 91. Between then was fucking Pet Cemetery too. So Edward Furlong <laughs> wasn't hot at the time. So there's no reason for you know John Flynn to do, do this movie in a way. Um, it just it was something that a bunch of people thought was cool, got a decent cast and some good filmmakers together, and made this wacky fucking CD-ROM horror movie. And I don't think that's focused on enough. I think we were like, oh, Brain Scan, that's a cool movie, but it's like. Like the things that are behind the film don't make any sense at all. But I think that's maybe what these films need, you know, is just some people that believe in a project and do it um, with a great fucking villain, um, you know, some, you know, kind of like a cyberpunk punk rock attitude. Not really cyberpunk because we're just saying cyber because this has to do with computers. Cyber. but there's like a punk rock attitude. It's it's it, dude. You know what this is? Yeah. Oh my god! Fucking revelation! Oh my god! I can't believe I just thought about this. People are gonna steal this. Oh my god! All right. <laughs> this is a spin. Just replace 
the record with a CD-ROM, this is trick-or-treat. It has that mm. vibe. It has, dude, double feature, trick-or-treat, and brain scan. And like, then throw in Lawnmower Man too. No, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but it has kind of that attitude. Now, I mean, we're not idolizing, you know, like something like Sammy Kerr and like, you know, but, you know, it just has that vibe. Um, I mean, since you're into computers and stuff and nerdy like me, I mean, what what, what did you think of Brain Scan? I thought it was a lot of fun. It was kind of fun seeing them interpret like uh, a lot of technology because he has like this uh, artificial intelligence Igor that he'll just tell what to do on his computer and he'll be like, dial up the internet or whatever. And it'll go, you know, he'll, he'll dial up and get him online. You know, it's just all that stuff is really funny. Um, uh, I don't know, man. Like the it's, idea it's, of, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, the idea it's a, it's a crazy that, movie. you know, a CD-ROM game will basically hypnotize you into potentially, you know, committing murder. Um, and, but you're, but you're thinking you're playing a game, you know, I mean, that's, that's all pretty interesting. And at the, at the time with, you know, the onset of potential like virtual reality and then the CD-ROM games kind of actually the idea of playing something hyper realistic or even realistic was the, cause this is before, you know, really good graphics you know on on computer games and yeah like yeah if you, if you think like the but idea it doesn't feel too outdated though that. no it i mean does... you know change change this around with uh with like an xbox three you know xbox one game or something like that like have that be the the device that hypnotizes you right or even with these new like the playstation vr things like it's definitely if you switch out the tech to modern tech like the, it can you know, it, it's like they can even do they can even do a sequel to this. Oh, oh my shit! God. Oh, oh my god, Trickster's shit. back! Trickster's back! <laughs> um, we actually didn't talk about the plot to the movie at all. I just realized. Uh, so, not for people that haven't seen Brain, no, you're bad. So, Brain Scan is uh, kind of about like a. Maybe like a social recluse kid played by Furlong. There's a couple buddies, um, but he receives this game um, in the mail, and it's a virtual reality game. And when he kills uh, people in the game, it turns out those people are dead in real life. So he becomes the prime suspect for the murders that are occurring in his neighborhood. Oh shit! Um, and when you find out, I mean, obviously it's this uh, character called the Trickster. Which it even resembles like a burnt up Sammy Kerr. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I don't know. I think trick or treat and fucking um, uh, good work because Rag Man is a social recluse too, and he has like that one friend. Um, so and he has a, it's the same. It's almost like the same setup. This is brilliant. Trick or treat doubles with brain scan. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a what I like about it still to this day. Um, even though I haven't seen it in a in a little while, is that it's not really outdated. Like it it, it doesn't feel outdated. It doesn't feel something like um, like Tron or you're probably creaming in your pants right now, Sean. 
like uh, Tron or The Last Starfighter, where you're watching these movies and, you know, it's just goofy as fuck when you see the special effects because you're like, ah. With something with, like, brain scan, it's not as weird It's it, to, to watch. Like, you can watch and be like, okay, I could totally see that. Or something like you mentioned, like Lawnmower Man where you're watching the special effects and the virtual reality stuff, and you're like, oh my god, this looks fucking, you know, horrendous. Or like, you know, something like Ghosts in the Machine, when you're watching these movies, and just the special effects on that side are just awful. Um, but there's something with brain scan, mainly because I guess they don't dive into too much of the virtual reality stuff. It's, it's no, because it's, it's, it's basically like like through his eyes, right? So you're not, you're not seeing any digitized yeah. Anything, yeah, it's, it's supposed to feel real. Yeah, there's just a little bit of virtual reality stuff. Yeah. It's not as heavy as, like I was saying, like lawnmower. It's in line and with and, anything you would find on a CD-ROM for sure. At yeah, the time. yeah, but it's not. It's not totally invasive to that. They try yeah. to. They try to definitely use the tech idea, but really don't show too much. It's not about hey, look at these special effects for this movie. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, Brain Scan's really good. It's got a great soundtrack, too. Primus is in it. It's, you know, kind of got a metal vibe going on, like Trick or Treat. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great, fun film. And it's one of those movies that I don't think a lot of people have seen. And um, I think it's a little depressing. I, well, I, I, I recognize I, I recognize the, the poster, for sure. And yeah. But I was like, that was one of those movies I would be like, eh, skip it. You know what I mean? It's probably just some direct-to-video bullshit, you know? Why? This shit's in theaters, bro. Was it in theaters? I, I mean, I, I saw it, like, on the shelf in the video store. Dude, everything was in theaters in the 90s. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Like, the fucking 90s, like, you know, people shit on the 90s. We had movies in theaters that we would never, ever, ever, ever have in theaters today. Like something like Call the Conqueror with Kevin Sorbo and Tia Carrera. <laughs> Call the Conqueror was in fucking theaters. Uh, Bats. <laughs> Bats with Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond uh, Phillips in a movie called Bats was in the theater in 1998. Like there was a time in the 90s where the theater – and we talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago when we talked about Wishmaster. Mm-hmm. None of those movies. None of those movies would be released in theaters today other than maybe yeah. like an extremely limited run where you would never see them. Yeah. But the 90, I, I, the nineties were special. I mean, I understand that we have like a lot more movies now than we did in the nineties, but I don't know. They didn't care about marketing, uh, man. They just did it. Theatrical stuff at them at this point, I feel like things that make it out in a wide release theater are very safe and you know, like, fun to go out and check out a movie but like no one I've like, correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like there hasn't been a film theatrically that's really been pushing buttons and like that's why, that's why I feel like a film like Get Out at least like that's something that is easily marketed but I think was actually something original in the theater because you know but I don't I, I feel like a lot of theatrical films now are just very safe and Something that they they can market easily and get in and out of the theater and make their money. 
We you don't know have who owns, films you know who owns like this fucking movie? In the theaters for sure. Fucking Sony owns this movie. Oh. Never see a fucking Blu-ray of it. God damn it. <laughs> it looks pretty oh, decent. Uh, it looks this good was on a, HD. Uh, this was... Was it, uh, was it HD? When I rented it, it said standard. Oh, it's on Amazon on HD. Oh, shit. I was on Vudu and it was standard. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought it would just been an you HD. Know, Dude, it oh, looks okay. really good fucking good on Amazon. Yeah, on Amazon, um, are you sure? Is it Amazon Prime? Don't tell me it's Amazon Prime. I can watch this for free. Um, In a better quality. Uh, no, Sean, you okay. cannot. I'm just saying that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, it's only on. That's so weird. Yeah, Amazon Video. Yeah, it's nine ninety nine on standard definition. But on Amazon Prime, HD. yeah. God damn it! I rented this for like four bucks in standard definition through Vudu. That's bullshit, dude. That's bullshit. Dude, why you? And you know what? The night that I tried to watch this, something jacked was going on with my with my uh, our internet. So this would stall out every five minutes. I, it took me like two and a half hours to watch this movie. It was mind numbing. Yeah, man. It's an hour, 30 minutes. Yeah, I bought it on uh, Amazon um, Video on HD. It looks really fucking good, and the sound's great, too. And you fucking missed out. You need a... Dude, this is called for a rewatch, because you'll have a different experience. No, it does. I had a horrible time watching it. I mean, I had fun with it, but it was like to have this thing buffering every five minutes, every ten minutes. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. And it looks good on HD. it was standard definition. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's all... uh, so I guess now when you're trying to rent things streaming, check between all the services because some may have HD, some may not. That's bullshit. Yeah, right. I wouldn't um, think it would, but yeah, damn. Weird. All right, let's jump into our next segment, uh, VHS. Oh, my God. Nikki. Well, here we are last. Right where we ought to be. Oh my god! Oh my god! We're talking about 1988, another 1988 horror film, uh, a horror sci-fi flick called The Brain. The brain. Dude, this, how good is the fucking brain? Dude, this actually, I feel like Henenlotter could have done a movie like The Brain. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's 1988, practical effects, kind of a monster flick directed by Ed Hunt and about a monster, big monster brain. <laughs> Dude. It has one of the craziest opening scenes I've seen in a long time. If I would have seen this when I was 10 or 11, this movie would have fucked me up, especially that beginning, because there's some, one, someone I followed on, uh, someone on, on Twitter, I apologize if you're listening and I, and I can't think of who it was exactly, but they said this was responsible for a lot of their kinder trauma back in the late 80s. Yeah. Cause, you know, cause, uh, 
the whole idea is there's this in a lab there's this big monster brain that somehow uh this scientist or somebody is using this brain to kind of hypnotize people through the TV and uh, it opens up with a this girl starts i guess hallucinating possibly or or something in her room and her like her one of her dolls like starts bleeding and the teddy bear know, tentacles are teddy bear yeah it starts bleeding and like tentacles coming through the walls and um, it's like a it's like a you know. excerpt from a nightmare on elm street movie yeah totally and like dude when her room starts closing in and the walls <laughs> and everything starts getting smaller that's fucking terrifying yeah oh my god yeah this is a pretty fun flick um it's I'm not sure. I feel like this got a DVD release at some point because what I no. was watching looked pretty good for nope. a VHS scan. Nope. No? So strange. It's not on. I mean, I think it got a DVD release in the UK. Are you fact-checking me? Um, I think it got like a UK, UK release uh, DVD, but I don't think it's ever been released in the U.S. other than VHS. No. no yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It was... Uh, I mean, that's the reason why I picked... hard that's to find. That's on VHS. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's the reason why. No. This, dude, this is this would be a fun movie for people to check out, and, and this would be a fun movie for a company like Arrow. I mean, if Arrow is releasing brain damage, I mean, I think the brain is an easy sell. Yeah. You got a great-looking monster. You got some bad shit, crazy stuff going on. Um... This is, is is this a con exploitation? This is a Canadian uh Canadian film. Mm, I don't know if this is Canadian. It's uh, I'm reading here that it is. Oh shit, I did not know that. So this did this uh, It's crazy that this movie didn't get a bigger release. Because, yeah, this was released on video cassette and Laserdisc in 89. And then it went to DVD in 2011 in the UK by, a, but that's, it's an out of print DVD. Oh, and, okay. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, like, the plot, you know, the plot's pretty, pretty generic. Not necessarily, well, well, you know, but it I, has. I was ex- what were you gonna I say? Mean, this is not, well, I was expecting possibly like a big brain getting out, uh, getting loose and terrorizing people. Um, it's not necessarily that. There's more going on. There's kind of a psychological aspect with, you know, is, you know, wondering like if, is what this person's seeing real? I mean, very similar to brain scan, right? Like, uh, and even brain damage. Like, there's all this, like, is what the character is experiencing 100% real right now. Like, are they really experiencing it? Are they having a hallucination? Like, what's exactly is going on? Which is kind of the theme with all three of these films. And, uh, and then, you know, the actual monster doesn't, you know, doesn't make a huge appearance until later in the film. And it's, it's glorious late 80s practical effects. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fun. Well, I mean, uh, I think that the film has, you know, a lot, a lot going on for it, or a lot going on with it, in in the in the fact that it tries to be very different, 
Mm-hmm. And it, if it was a big monster movie, it would just be a fucking monster movie. Instead, they try to do kind of like maybe, you know, the psychological thing. And that's the reason why last night I tweeted out another great triple feature would be um, The Brain, Halloween 3, and Seven of the Woods. Um, because, I mean, you do have your Cochrane character in The Brain. Like, that's what it feels like. They're do- they're doing it through television on a TV show. They're making you, um, you know, uh, hallucinate and and go crazy. And I think it's I think it's a fun fun little aspect uh, to the film. Yeah. I think I think that there is this fun idea of making people go crazy and then actually really having a monster involved. Um, because, I mean, literally, if they were just making this big brain that had all this information in it and it got loose and started terrorizing people, I mean, yeah, it would be still fun. But I don't know. I, I it, This movie's trying um, to be different, too. It, it is taking kind of a nightmare aspect. Um, it's making people do things. And that's one of the reasons why I picked it, because that's what brain scan. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so... But I don't know. There's there's many elements to the film where I think it does go off the rails of being really weird and different um, rather than kind of your normal Joe Schmo um, monster movie. And I do like the kind of uh, Cochran character that they have in the film, too. That, um, you know, he even like he looks like Cochran. I mean, it's fucking Halloween three all the way. Like they haven't <laughs> seen Halloween three and be like, yes, let's kind of do something like that. Um, but it's a shame that this film isn't really seen and it's expensive on VHS and never really had a DVD release over here. And it's one of those lost movies, you know? Yeah. Which is a shame. No movie should be lost. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Seek this out and definitely talk about it. It's, uh, it's pretty easy to find if you know where to look and, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out and bug i this would be fun to track down uh the people involved and hear their stories about it and this would be a fun movie for people to rediscover cuz um i don't think ed hunt has done a whole of a lot a whole, a whole i can't talk a whole hell of a lot since then yeah, i don't i don't i don't recognize game, and he did a uh, he has a 2014 credit of a movie called Halloween Hell. He didn't direct anything else? No, he did Alien Warrior in 86. He did Bloody Birthday in 81. Oh, Bloody Birthday. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. I think Bloody Birthday is the only... Because, you know, I own that one. It's the only one that I recognize, you know. But yeah, Bloody Birthday and then... um. He did Alien Warrior, which... Yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, it's called Alien Warrior. It's got Sounds a, really great, though. And um, uh, then, then The Brain, and then uh, nothing really after that. You know, I don't... Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's not dead. Because <laughs> every time we do this, we find out that they're gone. But no, he did, he did, he did a movie back in 2014... And, uh, yeah, he just, he just, this must be a, you know, a side gig. You know what I mean? Like, it just looks like he never, he must be doing other things now. 
Yeah, he could be doing some cool shit. Well, I would like to hear. I mean, I'd like to. I would like to hear from. I mean, he he's responsible for for Bloody Birthday, so this would be fun for someone to. Who released Bloody Birthday? Severin. Severin did. That's right. And uh, you know, it'd be just would be would be fun to hear him talk about this movie. So, all right. Maybe we should get him on the show. You have a job to do. And then if this if this comes out on Blu-ray, we'll definitely get Ed Hunt on the show. I can't wait. <laughs> I was trying to find out more information about um, um, Alien Warrior. Yeah, I I but, can't. I was trying to too, and I can't. There's not really a whole lot of about. All I all I saw was what a great um, title. Th- this. Aside from the 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 rape thing, um, this this is a this is a review. It's one star out of ten. <laughs> Imagine if you took the Christ myth, mixed it with a healthy dose of porn, against a backdrop of bad sci-fi black exploitation, brother from another planet, like throw in a dash of after school special. Lots of really bad kung fu fighting. Oh, and some decent break dancing with an awesome Casio keyboard soundtrack. And some how where they make this even worse you could imagine. There are at least four rape scenes, at least one great car explosion of buff black guy <laughs> running around in his undies with an Uzi. And alcohol, and in this is a perfect movie. I mean, lots and lots and lots of alcohol. <laughs> and this guy's name is Made with Chicken. <laughs> so, Made with Chicken, that wrote this on April 21st, 2005, you talked me into watching the movie just by your Dude. bad review. All right, we may have another VHS, oh my god, in the near future with uh, with Alien Warrior. Mm. Have to track the sucker down. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, this sounds fucking great. All right, mark this down. I, uh, let me write this in the show notes. Track down alien. Apparently, warrior. apparently there is a Christ theme. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you guys I'm, know me. I'm in. Add religion <laughs> to this. I'm totally down. So the the plot is he's the alien warrior the mysterious mm. defender of the justice in the world of deceit, corruption, and decay. <laughs> He's been sent to save the earth from its impending ruin. Rugged Brett Clark stars as an interstellar being with superhuman power sent to earth to restore law and order. His mission takes him on the violent streets where the law means nothing. His quest begins a, a confrontation with the dark side, a destructure of society. With his supernatural abilities and growing legion of followers, he, he becomes the alien warrior. That was direct. That was written by Brian Parable, Preble. Um, like who, who, who takes the time to write something like that for a movie like this? And then Brian the, Preble uh, did. Then there was this other guy, Brian VN, who wrote the description an alien from another dimensions lands on Earth to fight the great evil that's been unleashed. Hey, all right, I get it. 
Okay. But I guess there's some like people are saying there's some type of price aspect. I don't know. All so, I see is the tagline. We're, now here we are. Just you know, let's just peruse IMDb. All right, uh, we're in. Man, we got to find Alien Warrior and talk about it for sure. So, um, all right, man. Well, I think it's gonna do it for this week's whoa, uh, podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't get a chance to see the most insanely bad '80s sci-fi alien Jesus black exploitation crime film. <laughs> Alien Jesus black exploitation. What is happening? <laughs> What's going on? Alien fucking warrior. I'm so glad we talked. We're talking about the brain here on this screencast, but I we got sidetracked with this director's other film, Alien Warrior. Yeah. Uh I I don't know. And I just found it. Nice. All right, we will report King back, everybody. Huh? It's also called King of the Streets. Mm. I like Alien, Alien Warrior better. Yeah. So brains, brains, brains. <laughs> mm. We had a lot of brains tonight. Yep, a lot of brains. Would uh, would this work as a triple feature? I think it would. But brain, hey. yeah. Of course, man. I watched these all within like three days of each other. I had a blast. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think yeah, this brain works. Brain damage, brain scan, and freaking the brain. I mean, and then for a bonus episode, you do brain dead, which you kept calling brain damage brain dead. I know. Which was a real movie. Yeah, with uh, Bill Pullman, Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Yeah, it's a good movie. It was a Corman, um, yeah, Corman it's movie. Yeah, I like it. I think it's been streaming off in uh, different places for, for and uh, that's that's where I saw it and I had a blast. Yeah, good time. It's a fun little movie. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Find all of our social media stuff over at thescreamcast dot com. Screamcast dot com. Type it. Type it up. Type it up. Hold type on. it up. Get that type in. Type that shit. Oh, Sean, type it. Get it. Type it. Yeah, uh, get it. Get it. Type all it. Right. Get it. Type it. Get it. Please, get if you it. dig the show and want to support us, we'd love to have you become a patron. Find our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash scream underscore cast. There's a few options for you, depending on what you uh, would like to, to give. Um... We, we're trying to really make it worth your, your guys' while, and we just thank all of you for supporting the show what, what, however you can, and we really appreciate all you guys for being involved that way. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, GrindhouseVideo.com, of yes. course. Buy all their shit. Buy all your shit through them. And uh, Mike works damn hard to have competitive prices, and he is really good at sending shit out on time and he packages it really well. Everything comes with some tender, loving care involved. Also coffee shop of horrors. Use the code screamcast, get 10% off your order. I need, which reminds me, I need to place another order. I'm running low. Thanks you. Thank you to Wolfman of Mars for providing the music and Kevin Spencer for providing the artwork. He is having a new website come up. He's jumping back into some of his uh, letting 
Uh, he's redoing his, his website. He's gonna, he's redoing rebranding and everything. Once that happens, I'll be definitely letting you guys know about where you can find more of his artwork. Um, and finally, Vinegar Syndrome. We are gonna be doing a Vinegar Syndrome episode very soon. They just had their halfway to Black Friday sale. We have a Brad wrote up a buying guide over at thescreamcast.com. Um, even if the sale ends, when's the sale going to? Is it, is it, Today. The it was just this weekend, just over, over Memorial Day weekend. But if, but Brad's little buying guides are fantastic. If you, if you want to jump into vinegar syndrome and you don't know exactly where to start, Brad has some buying guides up on the site that are really great, really detailed oriented, except for, uh, he used the wrong poster on one. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you guys find it really funny. Uh, and, uh, so check that out over there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, screen underscore cast. Me and Brad's personal Twitters are up there in the little header. So follow us too. I think that's going to do it for this, uh, for this show. Talk to you guys next week. Bye bye. Bye guys. Thanks for joining us with Bray. <laughs> oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. We only spent like 13 minutes on brain damage. <laughs> mm. I like it, man. This, this is the greatest. <laughs>